Recording in progress. Thank you all so much for joining me today. Before I begin, I need to pray. Father God, we just come boldly before your throne of grace. We thank you so much for being a part of our lives. Thank you so much for filling us up with your Holy Spirit. God, allow us to receive your word today. I just pray that you lead me in this discussion, Lord, through the power of your Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, thank you so much for just filling me up. And I just pray that you allow me to speak about everything that I need to talk about today. Let us all receive the word, accept the word, accept what God's plan is for us and allow us to influence others through the power of the Holy Spirit. So we say yes to you, God. We, we say yes to however you want us to say it. We say yes to wherever you want us to go. We say yes to whenever you want us to go. We say yes to however, whenever, and whatever it takes, God, we say yes to you. We say yes to your will, yes to your plan, yes to your purpose. Whatever it takes, God, shaking and awakening the entire world and everyone in it, Lord. Allow us to keep our hearts softened for you, melted for you, and be obedient to you, Father. It is about pleasing you, and that's what we would like to do. God, let our desires be succinct with your will. God, allow us to be in tune with the things that you have planned for us. Show us your plan. Allow us to follow it. God, if we deter God, just allow your Holy Spirit to redirect us, reshift us back into your plan with purpose. No matter what it takes, God, allow your will to be done. Not ours, but yours. In the name of Jesus Christ, it is sealed in your atonement blood. Amen. Thank you all so much for joining me today. Um, today has been a really good day. Um, so once again, thank you all so much for joining me today on this Sunday. Um, welcome to Lost Life and Health. Let's talk about it. So today I am going to be continuing on in the discussion of women's health. And so I have been talking about, you know, what voice are you following? You know, how are you living your life for God? Basically, you know, there are so many different things that comes along with women's health. So what I've learned so far is that in order to maintain health, it starts in the mind, right? Your mental health, your physical health, it starts with the way you think. It starts in your mind. So let's talk about how the mind influences your health. Your thinking influences your mental health and also your physical health. So if you are going through stress, depression, anxiety, you've, you've experienced some trauma in your life, all of those things are contributors to you having unhealthy physical bodies not just your mental health but physical health as well it when you're stressed or or depressed and you have anxiety or you're feeling down or having low self-esteem all of those things contribute to an unhealthy physical body as well as a unhealthy mental health so you become you no longer become mentally healthy, but you become mentally unhealthy and physically unhealthy. 
So it is imperative to understand that in order for you to maintain good health, both mentally and physically, you have to what? Change the way you think. It starts in the mind. The mind. So, so your mind influences your perspective, your decisions, your behavior, your eating habits, the influences that you allow to come into your life. All of this starts with what? Your thinking. It's your thinking that is impacting your health. Your thinking is impacting your physical and mental health. So let me go ahead and get into the word today. If you have any questions, please go ahead and put them in the Q&A and I will respond to them there. There, If you have any questions on um, any of the other social platforms, iHeartRadio, if you're on Alexa, if you are on um, Amazon Audible, if you are on Samsung uh, Podcast or Google or any of these other ones, Podchasers, please go ahead, put your comments into the chat and I will respond to them there, okay? So let me go ahead and share my screen. Okay, so I had to post podcast here. All right. So today I wanted to really talk about there there was this um scripture that I was reading and it's it's kind of good because God confirmed his word. So yesterday I was actually this is what I was reading. I was reading Genesis 17. I also read uh Genesis 18. Uh what else? This was Le- Le- uh, Genesis 20. And I also had read uh, uh, Leviticus 15. So today in church, we had a guest speaker and it was okay. Um, And so what I would like to do is I would like to go over some of the scriptures that I read. But the guest speaker at at church today, she actually talked about Genesis and Abraham. Abraham and Sarah. So... God confirmed that word for me when I went to church for her to start off with the scripture of talking about the book of Genesis with Abraham and Sarah. And I'm just sitting here reading about Abraham and Sarah yesterday again. So I was actually going to be discussing that anyway. So but, um, let me let me go here to Genesis. It should be Genesis 17. Uh, no, actually, that's not that's not the exact one that I wanted to look at. Okay, here we go. Okay, so in Genesis chapter 18, it says, the Lord appeared to Abraham. No, that that, that wasn't it. Let me go to, um, I think it was, 
No. Hold on one second here. So um, we're going to go to, yeah, that's in Genesis 17. So it was right. I had it right the first time. So in Genesis 17, I'm trying to see which one. Okay, here we go. Here we go. All right, here we go. Genesis 17, verse 9. Well, actually, I think I want to look at the whole chapter 17, okay? Um, so, you all are probably, probably just wondering, okay, so why are we going through all of these different scriptures when it comes to women's health? Well, like I said, women's health, your mental health and your physical health has everything to do with the way you think, your mind, okay? So, if you go to the doctor... And you try to get on like a dietary supplement. So um, when I had went to the doctor, I was just trying to, you know, probe into like, what is it that I could take to sort of lose weight? Because I have been, I picked up a few pounds, you know, just sitting at home, working remote, going to school online and doing those type of different things. So I need to be able to, you know, stay fit and tone. Um, so I do have a personal trainer at, at, out by my house, but I haven't been home. I have been in Chicago for a while now. So um, some people have said, you know, like, well, yesterday, actually, I, I was in this uh, restaurant. And so this lady, she walked up to me and um, no, was that that wasn't yesterday. It was the day before yesterday. And so I was I was eating inside of this restaurant. And so this lady asked me, she says, is that your real body? That's what she asked to me. So I think that when she said it to me, I said, I, I got offended by it. Because I'm like, you know, I'm trying to tone my body. But she's saying like, it, that that's your real body. Your body is nice. And so it, it was like, I was offended. And I said, well, it's, it's no question about if. I am, I have my body, so it's my body, right? And so I'm looking at her and I'm just, I, I just forget about it. Because I'm, I'm thinking to myself, like some of the stuff that people say, they just say anything. And then so I had another person say, you know, it's people that will pay to have a body like yours. And I'm sitting here thinking like, well, People will pay to have a body like mine. Right now, I just, for me, what's really important is to stay fit, right? To stay healthy, to stay toned and have much strong muscle elasticity, right? That's what I want to have, right? But there are so many people when they look at you, they judge you based off of your shape. And so I do have a nice curvy shape, right? And I don't think it's like that bad at all. I just, I just want to get back my old weight. That's all. And so, um, I mean, I think I'm still a good shape. I'm, I'm just grown like a little bit more curves everywhere. And so, um, with that being said, 
It's like, how do you feel about yourself? So the way I feel about myself is, okay, I don't compare myself to other people in this world. I don't compare myself to other women. The things that other women have probably endured, you know, we all have some of the same choices, but we have different decisions and we all have similar options, but different choices and different decisions in our lives. So I don't compare myself to anybody else. So the way I see myself, I see myself beautiful all the time. I don't care my hair messed up. It, it may look messed up to some people, but it look cute to me because it's natural. And I like being natural. My nails are natural. My hair is natural. My skin tone is natural. You know, so like, that's the way that I feel about it. I am not living a life trying to please people in a way for them to accept my shape. So... I don't dress a certain way to please people. I dress to make sure that I'm comfortable with the way that I'm dressing. But, you know, a lot of people have something to say about my shape. Oh, you're so, your body is, women pay to have a body like that. But so am I comfortable with, you know, like having this extra weight? No, I don't, I'm not used to it. My butt feels heavier, you know, um, I, I would like to stay more toned. And so am I living my life because people are complimenting me on the shape of my body? If I'm not satisfied with the way that the excess weight has been brought up, then I need to work on it, right? So that's why I work on me. I work on myself. And my goal is for me to stay toned. So it's okay to have a nice shape. It's okay. Thank you all for the compliments, right? It's okay to have all of those compliments. But for me, I want to be at a certain weight with a certain tone. So when you're living your life, uh, you know, you're living your life the way that you present yourself in a way that is not, you're not um, trying to please people. You don't live a life that is being a people pleaser because people are always going to be unsatisfied. They're always unsatisfied with something. They get $10 million and now they want some more. They get $5 billion, now they want 50 more. They, You know, there's always something. They can never live their entire lives spending all the money that they have, but they just want more. You know, some people, they go through marriages because they are unsatisfied with what they have, so they want more. They want more of this, and they want more of that. It's always more, 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 and more. But for me, I feel like God wants us to be content, right? If you want to have a healthy body, then you work towards having a healthy body. I know for a fact. I know for a fact that, like when I was married. I wanted to make sure that I was like a very good wife. So I went to marriage counseling. I went to sem marriage seminars. I went to, um, uh, I read books on marriage, right? Also, since I'm a new mom, 
I wanted to, you know, find out everything about about being a new mom. So I, I seen nutritionists, um, dietitians to make sure that I was eating healthy because it was so important for me to breastfeed all of my children. And that's what I did. So breastfeeding wasn't something that was like dominant in my culture. Well, not from the people that I know. I can't say that most people that are, you know, of my culture don't breastfeed. But I'm saying that what I was subjected to, I didn't see anybody breastfeeding. So I, did, I presume that it wasn't that dominant to breastfeed. So it's like I want to make sure I was eating the right things. And so I see a nutritionist. I see a dietitian. So now that I want to lose weight. I want, I see a nutritionist. This is my second time meeting with the nutritionist in three months. And so, um, just, I take vitamins, vitamin supplements. So if you want to try something and you want to improve an area of your life, you have to work towards it. It isn't going to just come to you. You have to work towards being a better person. You have to work towards being a healthier eater. You have to work towards having better mental health. The way you do that is you make sure that you are protecting your environment. You let God use you to speak and to pray. So for me, I... My mental health is important. And so I speak to those things. I speak to situations. I don't just let situations conquer me. I speak to the situation. Some people say, well, I don't, I don't have to speak to the situation. You know, God already does everything, you know, and God do do everything. But God also said that whatever you bind on earth is bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth is loosed in heaven. And so it's imperative for us to make sure that if you're working towards a goal, you need to improve and you need to make changes. Nothing is going to happen if you continue to do things the same, right? So let me go back and reflect on this scripture here. So in Genesis 17, we talk about the covenant of circumcision. And then we go into talking about how God is changing their name. Right? So um, in Genesis 17, when Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared, appeared to him and said, I am God Almighty. Walk before me faithfully and be blameless. Then I will make my covenant between me and you and will greatly increase your numbers. So Abram fell face down and God said to him, as for me, this is my covenant with you. You will be the father of many nations. No longer will you be called Abram. Your name will be Abraham. For I have made you a father of many nations. So check this. Abram name now gets changed to Abraham. Why? It says, look, because God made him a father of many nations. So now his old self don't have nothing to do with his new self. Because he, he was Abram and now he's Abraham because he got what? Now he has purpose. So when God gives you purpose. It's like, okay, look, now Abram is Abraham because now God is granting him a promise, a covenant. That covenant is what? He made him the father of many nations. 
So he don't have the same name no more. Yeah, now, now he may still have some of the same attributes, right? Because guess what? Look at verses in um the beginning of 17. When everyone was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am God Almighty. Walk before me faithfully and be blameless. Then I will make my covenant between me and you and will greatly increase your numbers. See, this is God saying, okay, look, if you walk faithfully and blameless, I'm going to increase your numbers. I will make a, a covenant with you, a promise. The next verse, we don't know how long that break was in, in between this covenant. With, with God saying that I will make a covenant with you. And then God actually making a covenant with Abraham. So in verse 3, we see that it's consistent with what God is saying. Like, as for me, this is my covenant with you. You will be the father of many nations. No longer will you be called Abram. Your name will be Abraham. For I have made you a father of many nations. This is the second time God is saying it to him. He said it in verse, he said it in verse four. And then he said it in verse five. You will be the father of many nations. And then in verse five. For I have made you the father of many nations. That's confirmation. Verse 6 says, I will make you very fruitful. I will make nations of you. This is the third time God is saying this. God has said it in fourth verse, in the fifth verse, in the sixth verse. I will make nations of you. And kings will come for you. Well, kings will come from you. Verse seven, I will establish my covenant as an everlasting covenant between me and you and your descendants after you for the generations to come to be your God and the God of your descendants after you. The whole land of Canaan, where you now reside as a foreigner, I will give as an everlasting possession to you and your descendants after you and I will be their God. So this is a promise that God made. Because, see, God is saying, look, he is the father of many nations. Why is he the father of many nations? Because guess what? Uh, what, what do kids do? Kids learn things from their parents. You're going to learn how to love. You're going to learn how to give your... You have intergenerational transmissions of generosity. You learn your the way you give, you learn it through your parents. You learn it from the way that you were taught. I mean, you don't just come in this world and know how to give, right? So everything you learn is a pre-existing thought in, in the belief system. So parents teach their kids how to give, how to love, how to um, hate. They teach them everything. Now, when the kids grow up, they're going to know what they should do and what they shouldn't do. So they're going to have either high ethical standards or they're going to have very low ethical standards. Right? And so from this, you can clearly see that God is saying, look, and this going, this goes all the way back to Adam and Eve. Like when I, when I think about this scripture and I'm looking at this scripture and reading it, when you ponder on the word of God, you can understand how this scripture correlates with, with Adam and Eve. 
So God created Adam in his image, meaning that God gave Adam his attributes. So Adam had the gifts of God when he created Adam and within his image. But so since Adam chose to follow the woman, he chose passivity over him being the head himself. Because God created him to be the head. The woman came out of man. She was derived out of man. She came from man. So with Adam being the head, he no longer wanted to be the head because he submitted himself unto his wife. She became the head and he became passive. So she took, he took her position. So the roles were reversed. And so what happened here, we see that the fall of man took place through the entertainment that Eve had with the serpent. So while she had thought that it was the eating the tree of the, the knowledge of good and evil, she thought that it was pleasing to her eye. So we noticed there that there's an emotion that is attached to her, you know, being influenced by the serpent. She was enticed. She thought that the tree was desirable for wisdom. Desirable for gaining knowledge. And so guess what that did? It, it brought emotions into play. And so now Adam and Eve has now been contaminated. With the influence of Satan. Why? Because of an emotion that was a desire that influenced her thinking and then ultimately led to her mind being transformed to those desires. So what happens is we see that from Seth onward, we see that the sons of God was, was created. The sons of God came from Adam. When it, but it started from Seth to Noah. So those are the only time that we're going to see the sons of God from Seth to Noah. So understand this here. That when Abraham was blessed to be the father of many nations, it was because he had the attributes of God on the inside of him. See, when you look at verse 17, it says, I am God Almighty. Walk before me faithfully and be blameless. But then you look at verse 4. It says, no longer will you be called Abram. Your name will be Abraham, for I have made you the father of many nations. In verse 6, it says, I will make nations of you. Verse 7, it says the same thing. I will establish my covenant as an everlasting covenant. Between me and you and your after you for the generations to come to be your God and the God of your descendants after you the whole land of Canaan where you now reside as a foreigner I will give as an everlasting possession to you and your descendants after you and I will be their God so what this means is this God knew that Abraham could walk faithfully and blameless. We can assume that that's what, because that's what God is saying here in verse one. 
I am God Almighty. Walk before me faithfully and blameless. So let's look at this in a King James Bible, okay? Because now I want to look up the um, Strong's Concordance so we can look up the Hebrew word. Um, so let's go to the King James, King James Bible and look at this. So in verse one, it says, and when Abram was 99 years old, I'm sorry, when Abram was 90 years old and nine, the Lord appeared to Abram and said unto him, I am the almighty God walk before me and be thou perfect. Well, I've already did this word search. So let's, let's pull this perfect up. Um, perfect in Hebrew. Okay. So we know that basically, um, So, perfect in Hebrew, it means to um, it means to be mature. Okay, that's what that's what it means. Perfect in Hebrew means to be mature. So the Hebrew word, uh, hold on, let me pull this. I'm, I'm gonna move this over here so that that way I can talk about it. I don't want to watch this video. No. Okay, so Hebrew word study mature is zakwan. Zakwan. So we look at Psalm 37 and 25. And also let me pull that up in the um the strong concordance here. So I'm gonna I'm gonna go back and forth interchangeably. So that, that way, hold on, I need to move this. Over here, I have so many tabs up right now. Okay. All right, here we go. Okay, so we look at, um, now I was just on Genesis 17. And so I have two places where I'm looking up this Hebrew word. Okay, so we got to look at Genesis 17 verses 1. And every time I look it up here, it isn't on the main uh, Sean Concordance website. Um. But, okay, so let me explain this. So when you are doing a word study, you want to make sure that you're looking at the Bible and you're looking at the word in the King James Bible. So the King James is most closely related to the Hebrew scrolls, which is in the Old Testament. And so the Strong's Concordance in the New Testament will be interpreted through Greek. So the Bible is two different testaments one is the old and one is the new so the old testament is from the book of genesis to the book of malachi and that will contain all of the hebrew scrolls now when you're looking at the first five chapters i'm sorry first five books in the bible that is genesis exodus leviticus numbers deuteronomy that is considered the law the torah right and that is the law of the word of god and so that's still part of the Old Testament, but they just basically what they do is they pull those five chapters out in the beginning to let you know, like, look, this is the law. This is the law. You're going to find all the laws of God in there. And so um, when we're looking at certain words, we're going to look at the King James because that is closely interpreted from Bible scholars. So you're looking at the Strong's Concordance. They have over a hundred different scholars over like many, many year time span that have interpreted the Hebrew scrolls 
and um which is in the old testament and the and the greek which is in the new testament and so um when we're looking here don't look up a word that's in like the niv version or the new living translation or the amplified bible you want to make sure that you're looking it up through the king james bible so that that way you can closely understand what these words represent in hebrew and also in greek and so when i look at the word when i type in the word perfect it pulls up every single instance when that word was listed in the bible and so we have the word perfect has been mentioned in the holy bible 94 times and on the second reference genesis 17 and 1 it pulls it right up okay and that's the verse that we were talking about um and so it does not have a Strong's number attached to it. And so you have to probe further. And the way you probe further is you click on the link that's there. And I click on the link, right? Because the word perfect can have multiple different meanings. Like, for instance, we have, uh, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, four, five different Strong's numbers. So the word perfect in one meaning of the scripture may mean something different in another scripture. Like the word God. God has many, many names, right? So many times Jehovah Witnesses, and I've talked to them so many times, where Jehovah Witness may say, no, God, God's name is Jehovah. And they will only deviate from Jehovah when they're looking in the beginning of the Bible, in the book of Genesis, where they talk about Elohim. So the Jehovah Witness, from my knowledge, they usually only say Jehovah or Elohim. But you have to understand that the Bible was not written in English. The Bible was written in Hebrew. Okay? So the original language of the Bible is in Hebrew, which is in the New Testament, and Greek in the, in the Old Testament. I'm sorry. Hebrew in the Old Testament and Greek in the New Testament. Okay? So now you have to probe further. So I click on the link that's there. Bam. Now it pulls up like the, these different res results for different study tools. So you have commentaries about this chapter and everything. So usually you could click on the outline. You can see the different um, information about the covenant of circumcision. And it talks about it there. Then it has some commentaries. Then you have the dictionary here. But the word perfect isn't highlighted. So it means something different here, right? And we see that when it has an asterisk. And so um, when you when we go here, hold on one second, please. I'm trying to pull up the scripture. I think it was this one. I'm always researching stuff. So give me one moment. I have multiple scriptures. Okay, I found it. Ha! Yes, thank you, Holy Spirit. Okay, so um, there are different scholars who interpret so many different instances of the word perfect. But to basically sum up the word perfect, all right, let's let's look at here. I like I like the ancient Hebrew research center. So I use the ancient Hebrew research center as an alternative um, research method to the Strong's Concordance. So the strong concordance, I rely on that first, and then I'll go to the ancient Hebrew Research Center. If not, then I'll use Bible Hub. There's so many other scholars out here where you can get the word interpreted for you um, if you're not a Hebrew native, okay? 
And so um, here it says, uh, Genesis 25 and 27, it says, And the boys grew, and Esau was a cunning hunter, a man of the field. And Jacob was a plain man dwelling in tents. So that's in uh, Genesis 25 and 29. So we talk, this is a word, plain man, in uh, Genesis 25 and 27. And this is also the King James Version, because like I said, you're going to have to analyze it from the King James. Um, the next scripture is Job 1 and 1. So they're gonna we're gonna analyze these two scriptures so that you can we can interpret what the word perfect means. So there was a man in the land of Uz whose name was Job, and that man was perfect and upright. And and then so it, it continues. So he was perfect and upright. So from these two verses, we can conclude that Jacob was plain. He was just like an ordinary person, nothing special. But Job, on the other hand, he was rather extraordinary as he was perfect. So what you might find interesting is the word perfect in Job 1 and 1 is a translation of the Hebrew word tam. This is Strong's number A535. So this, so this is the word um, plain in Genesis 25 and 27. So why isn't Jacob considered perfect by the translations just as they did with Job? So this is another case of translators relying on the Greek. Um, oops, I'm sorry. I went off of the screen. Relying on the Greek interpretation for this translation rather than the Hebrew text itself. And so the Greek uses the word amemptos, which is strong 273, which it means blameless for Job and the word haplos, meaning simple for Jacob. So blameless is for Job and uh hoplos is for jacob meaning simple so that is strong's number 573 so we look at the word tam which is strong's number a535 we can best define it as mature in thought and in action and so it is the parent root of the word tamam which is strong's number a552 meaning to be whole finished or completed See, so from this verb comes the word Tamayan, which is Strong's number 8541. So many words come, it's derived from another word. So if we look at epistemology uh, or, uh, you know, when we're looking at that, we can actually go and go study like different words and what they what they mean. They, they are derived from something like they, they, it's so deep when we're analyzing words. But I just want to stay on the, you know, like the basic norms of interpreting um, words with the Hebrew and the Greek. So for the sake of simplicity, right? It says in Deuteronomy 18 and 13, thou shalt be perfect, which means Tamayan. So once again, Tamayan is Strong's number 8549, which is finished or completed. And so it is a verb. Um, and, and it says, uh, Deuteronomy 18 and 13, thou shalt be perfect with the Lord thy God. So many people, they kind of confuse the word perfect and they don't really know what the word perfect is. But it's okay because I didn't know what the word perfect meant either until I read it. So, you know, we all grow and learn. Um, sometimes some of us take longer to grow and learn than others, but that's okay. Long as we're improving, you could just take small steps. You don't have to know everything. You're not going to know everything right away. So it's, it's okay. Just take one step at a time. That's all you need, and God is going to help you do the rest. 
So um, with that being said, now we know that um, going back to this scripture in Genesis, right, with Abraham. So I wanted to make sure that we went over all of that because this is so important to understand that. Um, let me go back to the NIV version. Because I know a lot of people kind of like the NIV. Um, okay, so we see here that God knew that Abraham would be blameless. So when it says blameless, that means perfect. That's what it means. And what perfect mean? It means mature in nature and in action. So perfect is not what the, let's look at the dictionary says perfect is. And I really don't like comparing the scriptures to the word. So, I mean, to the, um, what, what is this here? Okay, it doesn't look like, <laughs> they don't. It doesn't even look like I can find the word perfect in the dictionary anymore. It's just not coming up. Hold on a second. Okay, let me go to Google. Okay, so perfect. It means all the required or desirable elements, qualities, or characteristics as good as it is possible to be. Absolute, complete. Used for emphasis, a perfect strength. Okay. Make something completely free from faults or defects or as close to such a condition as possible. Okay, so for instance, if I'm using what if analysis, right? If we're going, if you're going to look at your life and you're going to compare the word of God to, well, why does God say to be perfect? God isn't telling you to be perfect according to what the dictionary or the Oxford Dictionary, or the Webster's Dictionary, or the Merriam Dictionary, or the Encyclopedia, or Britannica. Now, I, I, I love reading stuff from Britannica, All right? They do have quite uh, reliable information, actually. Um, but I'm just saying, you know, we you have to you you have to utilize the Holy Spirit. God is insane to be perfect according to the worldly standards of what perfect is. Perfect in the in the spiritual respect, it means to be mature in nature and in action. Joel was mature. Abraham blameless. This is this is what God is saying in his word. You understand? When Abraham was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am God Almighty. Walk before me faithfully and be blameless. So we see that the word Tamayan, which is Psalms number 8549, means whole and complete. No, that's that's Tamin. Tamin. That's what that means. Blameless is strong, is Greek number. Uh, I'm sorry. It's Greek number G, uh, 273, which means ememptos, ememptos, A-M-E-M-P-T-O-S, meaning blameless. So we see that that is still the word perfect. Because if you are mature in your walk with Christ, it doesn't matter what experience you go through. You are not going to fail because you know that when you go through an experience, you know 
what it's from. So I'm getting attacked. I don't really got to talk about me getting attacked spiritually. You know, somebody constantly nitpicking at you, nitpicking, nitpicking, nitpicking. And all they want to do is just argue, 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 argue. You have to wonder, like, where is your happiness? What's wrong? You know, it's like, I don't know. I have been through a lot in my life, but it's like, I understand that it isn't that person. It's a spiritual war. So I don't put too much energy into trying to argue about stuff. I'm just say, look, I, I, I know what I see. Okay. If you don't like something that I'm saying, tell me. I'm the best person to talk to about me. Besides God, go to God first and then come to me about it. Don't go to a person. Don't go to people. See, too many times we calling on people to help when we need to be calling on God to help. So don't depend on your own understanding because if you live, depending on your own understanding, you will think that when the scripture says that you are to be perfect, even as the Lord thy God, you'll be thinking that you supposed to be without fault. You supposed to have uh, free from defects. When that's not what it's saying. It's saying for you to be mature. We have to be mature spiritually. We have to be mature in a way where we know how to pray immediately. Oh, no, no, no. See, that the enemy can't use you to get to me. It don't matter what plan the enemy had. See, I don't accept the plan of the enemy. I accept the plan of God. And that's the truth. So I'm who God say I am. So just because the enemy got a plot, a scheme, they plot this and plot that, none of it's going to work. Because God said that I prevail over my enemies. And I triumph over them. So even if an army is around me trying to attack me, they can't win. I win because I am equipped with the Holy Spirit. So that's it. You know, so when you know the power that's in you, it's like, okay, I'm unfazed. So right now, well, I've been, my license has been off in my house and my bill is paid. Everybody else lights are on on the whole block and around the whole neighborhood. But now my lights is still off. Because of a storm. I just didn't understand that. But I do understand it. Because guess what? It's That's not, you know, I'm, I just praise God for what God has the ability to do. My bills are paid. So even though they off, guess what? God gonna work that out. So that's, that's a part of the process. You know, like you're going to have long suffering. You're going to go through things and you're going to be like, oh, if it's one thing, it's another thing. There's another thing that's going on. I have a close family member who's moving out of town that's ill. They really need help. And what I mean by that is meaning that they need caregiver type of help. But are attempting to move by themselves out the state with no help.
So that that's bothersome. But guess what? I gave it to God. I gave it all to God. I don't, I'm not gonna be worrying about anything. I don't worry about nothing. I give it over to God because God has the power. He established the heavens and the earth. He ate the earth is his footstool. Just think about the think about the planet. Everybody wants to go and live on Mars, which is a foolish ideology to me. Because if electronics malfunction, all electronics will malfunction at some point. And so humans can't survive on Mars without being like a hybrid human. Now they did, I was reading an article some years ago where they had found water underneath Mars. And, but when they brought the water up on land, the, the water turned into dry. It turned, you know, it was no longer solid. It turned into dryness. That's what I was told. And then you have some people who say, well, you know, the, the earth is a firmament. But then I have a picture of the earth uh, and, and, and how the scriptures correlate with that. But I, I don't want to go off topic. All I want to say is that when you think about how, you know, um, all of these people suggesting all of these different things, but God created the so-called cosmos that they named. God created Mars. God created the sun. God created the moon. God created the earth. 20% of our earth has only been explored. The other 80% is all water that's undiscovered. You have people that are in the Navy that um literally go on these like diving uh, explorations. They are so, people are so afraid to go in the depths of the ocean. The depths of the ocean. So God created it. So if, if people evolved, why haven't, why haven't people evolved into another species yet? You don't force evolution if evolution exists. Duh. So I'm not going to get into a debate about that. I just want to make sure that you all understand that we serve a mighty God that have created the depths of the ocean and people can't even explore it. We serve a mighty God that created the Mars and every other single planet and every single thing in space. God created it. No evolution. Because it's forced evolution when you have to force a human to become a hybrid human. That's called forced evolution. They didn't become transhuman without you forcing them to be a transhuman. Singularity doesn't happen with just that, right? So when you think about all of these different things, you have to understand that the... Can you call in? Oh, yeah, sure. You can call in. Let me... um. I see you're ABC seven, but I don't see. Um, hold on. Invites. Okay, I sent you an invite as a speaker. Okay. So that's say ABC seven. So you ABC seven news? Probably not. Okay. So um, what's really important here is to understand. That God wants us to focus on his power.
See, you got to look at your situation because this is how I think. Every single time I'm going through an experience that is trying to over, overpower me, I think about the power of God and where he's bought me from. So let me give you another testimony. I was nine years old and I was coming from school. And when I'm coming from school, I actually literally got hit by a car. Okay. The the car ran over my like over my foot. Like he pushed me. It the car pushed me down. I was so young. And so I had to go to the emergency room. And when I went to the emergency room, they said that um I had suffered some problems with my uh leg and my foot and it's it can impact my back and so they said um that they were so shocked that the man didn't like run me over he was so close to running me over and so um basically they said when i get older they say you know you're gonna have scoliosis and so let me explain this to you so scoliosis is like a cricket spine that's what scoliosis is and um so i have they said i have scoliosis but i don't have scoliosis because i don't feel it okay so i walk straight i don't have those type of problems that they said i would have or anything like that from the car accident when i was a kid so i've had scoliosis ever since that accident ever since the car accident and it doesn't impact me. I just feel like, you know, I think about how people are so athletic in aerobics and stuff like that. They bend, they back, they back is broke, all type of stuff. When I was young, I used to be very athletic too. And so I would bend my arms up with, um, when I got older and just try to see if I could touch the back of my, my head. I would try all different types of um, aerobic activities and stuff because I was an athletic kid. And so I'm saying this because it doesn't matter about what your situation is. You have to understand that God is a God of power. God created the earth. He created the oceans that is still with all these people in this world. With all this money in this world. Still having discovered many parts of the world, including the planets. So God created it and they still people are still trying to figure out the brain a human brain it's like wait a minute you know when you think about when you think about all of these different things that is going on you have to so god is so powerful god is so great and so you have to know that no matter what you're going through in your life no matter what you're experiencing, when God say he's making a covenant with you, that covenant is going to be fulfilled. So going back to Abraham, see, God knew that Abraham would be faithful and blameless, right? So God made that covenant. He's, he confirmed his word with Abraham several different times. I will make you a excuse me, I will make you a father of many nations. 
I have made you a father of many nations. I will make nations of you and kings will come from you. So then um, in verse nine, it says, then God says to Abraham, as for you, you must keep my covenant. You and your descendants after you for the generations to come. This is my covenant with you and your descendants after you. The covenant you are to keep. Every male among you shall be circumcised. You are to undergo circumcision. So Abraham, at the beginning of the passage, verse 1, he was 99 years old. He's 99 and about to go through a circumcision. So this, this is the, the reason why I'm, I am bringing this scripture up is because God gave me revelation on this last night. When he went through the circumcision, see, people that were uncircumcised, they didn't have the covenant and the promises of God. But God seen that Abraham would be blameless and faithful. He wanted Abraham to get circumcised. Because circumcised people, they had a covenant. They had a promises of God. Okay. So you have to understand that God still chooses people that circumcise and people that are not circumcised. This is the problem with religious Pharisees. They don't seem to understand that. The religious Pharisees say, look, you know, I, I want things to be done this way. Hey, I'm circumcised and you're not. But Abraham wasn't circumcised until he was 99 years old. And this is a shout out to the religious Pharisees. Okay. So. First of all, he, by him not getting circumcised till he was 99, he didn't have no covenant with God up until this point. His covenant was when God came to him and said, I, I know that you could be, if you remain blame, faithful and blameless, I will make you a man of many nations. He wasn't circumcised. So God chose a man that needed circumcised. So many people, they need to get the covenant of God. So just because you're in the house of the Lord right now doesn't mean that you're going to make it to heaven. So what we have to do is quit judging people. See, because I don't judge people. I don't like when people say, um, like I heard someone, somebody tell me, that he, he was like, well, you judging me. No, I'm not. Okay. I'm telling you how you can do better. If you don't like what I'm saying to you, that's between you and God. I don't have anything else to do with that. I'm not God. God is God. I am his child. I serve God. God died for me. So now it's time for me to live for him. Jesus Christ died on the cross for us. So it's time for me to live for Christ. It's not, it's, it doesn't mean for me to go sit here and, and, and satisfy my desires. See, my desire is to please God. My desire is for me to deny my flesh. That's why I don't smoke. That's why I don't drink. That's why I don't listen to secular music. That's why I don't use profanity. This is, I want to live a life that is fulfilling that, that is pleasing to God. These are my desires. And, and when you hear people say, well, you know. I can't do what I want to do because I'm saved now. 
No, no, no. I'm doing what I want to do. And those things that I want to do is succinct with what God wants me to do. It's synonymous with the Holy Spirit. I desire, I crave God and his word. I could be in the presence of another man. I'm not intimate. I am saving myself. I have dedicated myself to God. I am not fornicating. So what's important is understand that when you're doing things in this life, you need to make sure that you're you choosing God. That's it. So we see here that Abraham was not circumcised. And he says here, it, it, he says here, every male among you shall be circumcised. You are to undergo circumcision and it will be the sign of the covenant between me and you. For the generations to come, every male among you who is eight days old must be circumcised, including those born in your household or bought with money from a foreigner. Those who are not your offspring. So whether born in your household or brought with your money, they must be circumcised. So my covenant in your household, I'm sorry, wait, my covenant in your flesh is to be an everlasting, is to be an everlasting covenant. Any uncircumcised male who has not been circumcised in the flesh will be cut off from his people. He has broken my covenant. So the, the promise, a covenant is a promise. So the promise was for those males to be circumcised. So in verse 15, God also says to Abraham, as for Sarai, your wife, you are no longer to call her Sarai. Her name will be Sarah. I will bless her and will surely give you a son by her. I will bless her so that she will be the mother of nations. Kings of peoples will come from her. See, so God basically blessed Abraham and Sarah. In verse 19, it says, then God said, yes, but your wife, Sarah, will bear you a son and you will call him Isaac. I would establish my covenant with him as an everlasting covenant for his descendants after him. And as for Ishmael, I have heard you. I, I will surely bless him. I will make him fruitful and will greatly increase his numbers. He will be the father of 12 rulers and I will make him into a great nation. But my covenant I will establish with Isaac, whom Sarah will bear to you by this time next year. When he had spent when he had finished speaking with Abraham, God went up, God went up from him. On that very day, Abraham took his son Ishmael and all those born in his household or brought with money, every male in his household, and circumcised them as God told him. Do you see this? This is his response. So if God tell you to get up and move. Get up and move. But one thing you do need to make sure that you do is you are accompanying your faith with works. If you're moving across the country and you haven't found a home base for church, then you got some work to do. How you going to move somewhere, but you ain't finding church to go to? You find the church online first. Then you go see it. Then you decide if you want to move over there or not. 
needs to be the priority. You just, oh, well, I'm going to just go move in this neighborhood. Or now I'm going to go move over here. I'm just move out of state over there. Did you find a church? Or when you go through problems, you're just going to keep on calling all of your friends instead of calling God. Because see, if God is a priority, attending his house is a priority. So, Abraham was obedient. He did exactly what God told him to do. Now, going to Genesis 18. So, I want to skip down a little bit. If you go to Genesis 18, verse 10, it says, Then one of them said, I will surely return to you about this time next year, and Sarah, your wife, will have a son. Now, Sarah was listening at the entrance to the tent, which was behind him. Abraham and Sarah were already very old, and Sarah was past the age of childbearing. So, Sarah laughed to herself as she thought, After I am worn out and my, old, my Lord is old, Will I now have this pleasure? Then the Lord says to Abraham, why does Sarah laugh and say, will I really have a child now that I am old? Verse 14 says, is anything too hard for the Lord? So your situation, like when I'm going through a situation, I never make my situation too hard for God. I used to do that. I was like, oh God, see, this is, Ooh, like what am I gonna do? Or I just get so stressed out, and then I just call everybody and be like, "Well, what do you think I should do about this? I can't believe this and that. This happened and that happened. Tell me what you think I should do." It's like, wait a minute. God said, "Quit calling on people that fail themselves. Call on me." Because you making this problem, you trying to say that this problem hard for God. God say, look, I am God. That's what God saying. God saying, look, he is God. How are you going to make a problem too hard for God? There is, is anything too hard for God? Is anything too hard for the Lord? Is anything too hard for the Lord? It, it, it said, I will return to you at the appointed time next year and Sarah will have a son. Do you understand this? So what God is saying, God said this to Abraham. Why did Sarah laugh and say, will I really have a child now that I am old? In verse 14, God, God is saying, is anything too hard for the Lord? He could have been like, oh, so since you want to laugh, I'm going to make sure you don't have it. God is not like that. He says, is anything too hard for the Lord? Like, I'm going to show you. But he did this to his faithful, blameless children. That means that those children that was perfect, which means mature in nature and in action. That's what that means. That's what he did this for. Because when she left, and when she left and said, So, what do I owe this pleasure of having a child at this old age? 
You can't make your problem harder than God to resolve. He gave us gravity. Everything that man makes, eventually it deteriorates. Everything God makes, God has given us freedom of choice, free will. Freedom to choose, freedom to love, freedom to do good, freedom. So, in verse 15, Sarah was afraid, so she lied and said, I did not laugh. But he said, yes, you did laugh. You see that? That response right there is the response that God didn't get from Adam. See, Abraham believed what God said. Adam acted like he believed what God said. But really, he put his trust into Eve and ate from the forbidden tree of knowledge of good and evil. So when God said, you know, uh, why have you why have you run away? He said he hid because he was afraid. And God said, who told you that you was afraid? He said, the woman you gave me, Eve. He blamed Eve. Because he passive. So Abraham, Abraham, it's a thir verse 13. Then the Lord said, the Lord said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh and say, will I really have a child now that I am old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? I will return to you at the point of next year and Sarah will have a son. Verse 15, Sarah was afraid, so she lied and said, I did not live. You see that? So Sarah trying to convince Abraham that she didn't lie about what God said that she did. So Abraham like, wait, wait. God said, basically he said, but he said, yes, you did live. Abraham like, look, I, I know what God said to me. He ain't questioning anything that uh anything that Sarah was talking about. He said, no, you did live. Yes, you did live. While she lied, he said, but he said, yes, you did live. Because if God said it, that means it happened. If God didn't confirm that, if God didn't tell you that in the spirit, quit going around saying it. It don't matter what these people talking about and what they lying about. Sarah literally lied to her husband and her husband said, but he said, yes, you did live. Because see, Abraham knew that he could trust God. Because God wasn't going to lie to Abraham. Everything that God said he going to do, he going to do. Abraham knew that. That's why God knew that he would be faithful and blameless because while he was mature. Perfect is what? Mature. 
Blameless is mature in nature and action. Abraham didn't have to have a conversation back and forth with his wife about why she lying. Oh, oh, so is God lying on you? He could have easily said that, but he did not. He said, yes, you did live. And it was just like that. Yes, you did live. So we're talking about a mature man in Christ and God. And Adam was an immature man who blamed the wife when he was created to be the head. So she took over his position as the man while he became in her position and became head passivity. So understand that Abraham was mature because perfect is mature. Spiritual, not the secular knowledge. Okay, so understand that. Now, you when you when God has positioned you with some, you're supposed to speak with authority. You use your influence in every area because God said you are the light of the world, a city on a hill that cannot be hidden. You use your influence everywhere. So that's what I wanted to say with that. Okay. Now, um, so that was that was all I wanted to say about Abraham. Now, let's see, I'm thinking I could talk about, let me finish talking about Gideon. No, I don't think I have enough time to talk about Gideon. I could talk about Gideon tomorrow. Let me go. I want to go to look at the, oh, so it's another scripture I wanted to talk about. I think it was numbers. It's number 16. Number 16. That's what I hit up. Mm -hmm. One moment, please. Is it more? I think it's number sixteen. No, it's not. It's uh, one second. I had all these scriptures written down. Oh, okay. I think it's Leviticus 15. That's what I had. Uh, Leviticus 15, 19 through 27. That's what I had up. 15, 19 through 27. Actually, I'm just doing the 15. Okay. All right. So this is talking about discharges causing uncleanness. So when it talks about the discharge, it's talking about blood, like women when you're administrating, right? And so I wanted to talk about this. I understand it is in the Old Testament, but I'm a firm believer in the New Testament and the Old Testament and the New Testament. 
So I believe that there are benefits to learning about the Old Testament too. And some of those things should still be incorporated, right? Even though we're not under the old law, because Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins, he provides us with salvation through his sacrificial death when he died and sacrificed his life on the cross for us. And they also call that the sacrificial death that he he died in place of us because we were sinful. Ultimately, that's all that it was. Sin, sin, sin. That's all that people did was sin, right? And so, like, even when they would make um, burnt offerings and sin offerings, they still would go right back to sinning. And so, the atonement was Jesus Christ dying on the cross for our sins. So, we actually owe a debt to God. He provided us with the salvation that we need when we accepted the fact that he died on the cross for our sins. He resurrected. Once he was resurrected, he then, you know, gave us the ability to have access to the Holy Spirit because he was on earth for 40 days after he resurrected. Then he ascended into heaven. Ten days later, what happened? He sends us the Holy Spirit. So that's what he did. He sends the Holy Spirit down. And so everyone become um, filled with the Holy Ghost. So when we understand that Jesus, yes, he does provide the salvation for us, but that doesn't eliminate the Old Testament. There are a lot of different things that still can apply to today with reading some of the things in the Old Testament. I believe that the Bible unlocks all the truths in the world. And I'm not talking about the lost books. And so maybe one day I'll talk about that, but I'm not going to be talking about the lost books. Um, I believe that the lost books by, were written by people that were religious Pharisees, that there were people who tried to contradict the Bible because they were condemned for their behaviors. And so I believe that they try to do everything in their power to rectify their, to justify their means to an end. And so when you're looking at the lost books, you're not going to get a clear understanding of what God wants you to know. So don't be deceived by Satan and his and, and the adversary at all, okay? Don't be deceived by the adversaries of God. So you want to you want to sit here and you want to understand what the Bible says. You read the Old Testament, you read the New Testament. That is what God allowed to be maintained in society. If if God didn't allow it, it wouldn't have happened. If God didn't allow the Bible, the Bible wouldn't be the number one seller. If God didn't ordain it, the Bible wouldn't be the number one seller. So I don't need to hear nothing about that other stuff. None of that stuff means anything to me. Okay, you have to have discernment. Okay, and when you pray to God, you just ask God to give you discernment. Okay, and in that way, you won't have any type of misinformation or misinterpretations about anything. You have to understand that there were a lot of people that saw Jesus Christ resurrected, that people are going to give an account of the events that they saw. Many of them were religious Pharisees. What do you think they do? When they go out here and do something bad, do you see criminals saying that they didn't do nothing bad? Or do you say, do you see every single criminal say that they did the crime? Or do you see criminals get caught and still 
say that they not guilty. Okay, so you have to use this, have discernment, and understand that there are people that were condemned for their behavior. And that it's many of the Roman Catholics are going to have something to say. And then the religious Pharisees that were Jews are going to have something to say. But it's two different types of Jew, uh, Hebrew Israelite. You have the, anyway, a Hebrew Israelite is a Jew. Okay. But there are two different types of Jews. So you want to make sure that you are really, really understanding what's going on here. And I don't really want to deviate too much from the word of God. I want you all to know that if God didn't ordain the Bible, the Bible wouldn't be here. If God wanted the lost books to prevail, the lost books would have prevailed. I don't want to hear about Cain that was kicked out of heaven. I mean, that was kicked out of, uh, out of the land. Well, he was kicked, well, he kicked out of the garden, right? So, I don't want to hear about that. I don't want to hear about all of that stuff. The reason why is because you have to know that Cain has a story to tell. All them criminals got a story to tell. So who wants to know it? I don't want to know. I know what God allowed me to know, and that's in the Holy Bible, the Old Testament, the New Testament. That's all I need to know. I don't need to, to find out about the contradictions of the people that put Jesus on the cross. I don't need to find out about the Roman Catholic Church that sent Jesus to be crucified. Oh, they want to say, well, it was they minimized. They ain't had that much. They ain't had that much influence on sending Jesus to the cross. You participated in the crucifixion. That means you supported the will of Satan. It don't matter why you want to look at that. That's what happened. So, you know, you could be a Roman Catholic. That's who you choose to, to, to worship through. That's between you and God. But Roman Catholics are poly, uh, polytheistic type of people. They believe in hundreds of other gods. They're the same ones who sent Jesus traveling on the cross to be crucified. And you don't think they have some lost books to make up a story to justify their means and to contradict the word of God. Come on, wake up, wake up. All right. So, um, that's kind of going off in, into a different story, but I just want you all to know that your thinking shapes your mental health. So if you're not spiritually strong, you'll be spiritually deceived. So I'm going to say that again. If you are not spiritually strong, you will be spiritually deceived. All right. So since I'm on the subject of women's health, um, I'm not going to read the entire chapter 15, but I just want to go through like some of the main points that it point out. Because there's another scripture too that I wanted to read. Um, and it's like, I am so Bible driven. 
I love reading the Bible. Um, so uh, Leviticus 15. All right. It talks about discharges causing uncleanness. So the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, speak to the Israelites and say to them, when any man has an unusually bodily discharge, such as a discharge, such a discharge is unclean. Whether it continues flowing from his body or is blocked, it will make him unclean. This is how his discharge will bring about uncleanness. So any bed the man with the discharge lies on will be unclean. And anything he sits on will be unclean. Anyone who touches his bed must wash their clothes and bathe with water. And they will be unclean till evening. Whoever sits on anything that the man with a discharge sat on must wash their clothes and bathe with water and they will be unclean till evening okay so that talks about the man having um in verse 18 it says when a man has sexual relations with a woman and there is an omission of semen both of them must bathe with water and they will be unclean until evening in verse 19, it says, when a woman has her regular flow of blood, the impurity of her monthly period will last seven days. And anyone who touches her will be unclean till evening. Anything she lies on during her period. I'm sorry. Any. Wait, let me see. Where did I leave off? It, anyone who touches her bed will be unclean. Um, no, I'm sorry. Let me go back to verse 20. Anything she lies on during her period will be unclean. And anything she sits on will be unclean. Anyone who touches her bed will be unclean. They must wash their clothes and bathe with water. And they will be unclean till evening. Anyone who touches anything she sits on will be unclean. They must wash their clothes and bathe with water. And they will be unclean till evening. Whether it is the bed or anything she was sitting on, when anyone touches it, they will be unclean until evening. So if a man has sexual relations with her and her monthly flow touches him, he will be unclean for seven days. Any bed he lies on will be unclean. All right, so that's that's basically what I wanted to read. Um, The reason why I wanted to read that is because the Bible talks about um a husband. Let, let me go to that scripture. Let me go to that scripture. So this will be, this will be in Ephesians chapter 5. It says, um, actually it's multiple scriptures that I like to read from here. Uh, but I'm gonna I'm gonna go to Ephesians 5 verse 21 and then I'm gonna revert back up to one of the scriptures that I just saying I would like to say. So in Ephesians 5 verse uh 21, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. This is the instructions for Christian households. In verse 22, it says, Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body, of which he is the Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands and everything. So what this means is that 
wives are supposed to be submitting to their husbands as the husband is the head of the household it's the same way as christ is the head of the other church which is the body so we know that if the eye can't see then the whole body get be impacted by the eye if the foot can't move the whole body can be impacted by that so if one of us suffer all of us suffers right so it's so important for us to carry the weight of each other by encouraging each other uplifting people um making sure that it's not about you that everybody needs to come to church it's not about oh well you didn't wear the right outfit today you have a head on i don't like you have pants on in church you can't wear pants you can't wear your hair like that everybody needs to come to church now when everybody arrives at church we should be hearing the word of god so people should be led not by being pleased but led by hearing the word of god see there are many people that are out here leading to please people they're leaders that please people they lead to please people we have to go to the house of the lord and hear the word of god okay and so that's what god wants us to do and so the, the the head of the church is jesus christ that's the body so wives submit yourself to your husbands as you do unto the lord so husbands love your wives just as christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy cleansing her by washing her with water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish but holy and blameless so in the same way husbands husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies okay so look listen we are talking about women's health i am not married anymore i divorced my husband i was being abused and i left that marriage i was unequally yoked from the start but i want to just let you all know this that that was so long ago. I have, haven't actually been with my ex-husband since 2009. Even though we were still a part of each other's lives for a few years after that. Right? We were really separated. So what I want to say is, is that husbands should be treating their wives as they treat their own bodies. And so a, a wife... It's unclean when you're having administration. Your 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 uterus is shedding every month when you have administration. And so continuing on from this, um, it also talks about it also talks about um uh do not deprive do not deprive one another. 
Um, and so if you look at 1 Corinthians 7 and 5, and I'm going to go back to Ephesians. 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 5, it says, do not deprive each other, except perhaps by mutual consent and for a time, so that you may devote yourselves to prayer, then come together again so that Satan will not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. So you don't deprive your wife, you don't deprive your husband, except by a mutual consent. And when is that consent? It should be during the time of ministration or for fasting. And so this allows you to have self-control in your marriage. God did everything for a reason. All right, so now... Um, now let's go back to Ephesians. So Ephesians, I wanted to go up into Ephesians 5 verse 8. For you are once darkness, but now you are the light in the Lord. Live as children of light. For the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. So if you accept the truth, you accepting what God says. People that reject the truth, it's because they're not real honest people. If you are an honest person, naturally you're going to accept truthful things. I grew up in a brutally honest household. There is nothing that you could say to me really that could hurt my feelings. I know who I'm attached to. I'm attached to Christ. So if you would, if you're trying to hurt my feelings, you can't. It don't work. It doesn't work with me. Period. I'm just here to let you know that. I have grew up in a brutally honest household. Words. Have no, like, I give it to God. I will, I will pray for you. So that's what I'm saying. So we have to understand that, you know, the fruit of the light consists of goodness, righteousness, and truth. So even if you're making a mistake every day, you have to keep trying to be mature. Be mature enough to improve in righteousness. Do the right thing. Do good. Everyone you know should be able to say you have helped them do good in some way. Whether they wanted to accept it or not. You helped, right? So um, in verse 10, and find out what pleases the Lord. It's so important for us to find out what pleases God. That is something that we should be craving. Crave to please God. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness. When people are out here, oh, it's just a song. How you gonna get mad over a song? You act like you ain't used to listen to this music. First of all, I don't need to hear about what I used to do. Because I don't do it no more. So why are you wasting my time talking about something that's old? That's not what I want to listen to. I don't listen to secular music anymore. It doesn't do anything to my spirit. I have the Holy Spirit and I would like for you to experience 
the power of the Holy Spirit. But, you know, you have to invite the Holy Spirit to influence you. I could tell you about the Holy Spirit all day. But if you're not inviting God, if you're not inviting God into your life, if you're not inviting God in your choices, if you're not doing the things that you're craving God to please him, you're not doing that. Who are you going to do it for? A person could tell you and talk to you to their face is blue or a different color green. What difference does that make? You have to invite God into your life. When you invite God, you can no longer serve God and be the same person. That's why a lot of people, they have been, instead of calling me Starris, because my name is Deanna Starris Watson. And so they don't, they haven't been calling me Starris. They've been calling me Deanna. Like they have renamed me. My name always been Deanna, but everyone calls me Starris because that's my middle name. But since I'm different now, it's like, okay, you're not Starris no more. You Deanna. That's fine too. However, which way you want to put it. But you are no longer going to be able to do fruitless things. I don't want to be a part of that life. It is not people around you not going to be happy. They always going to be going through something. You're going to be going through something. It's always going to be a problem that you feel like you it can't get resolved. Then it's one problem after another problem after another problem and another one. I don't want to live like that. I don't want to live my life like that. God has given me peace of mind. So if it's 10 problems, God has given me so many solutions, I can't even focus on the problem. The Holy Spirit has given me so many solutions, the problem don't even exist no more. There are too many solutions to be complaining about stuff. God provides too many solutions. So you're not going to be able to live a life with fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. It is see. If, let me read verse 11 again. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. Expose it. Speak about it. Look, that's wrong. I don't want, I don't want, how is that edifying God? God says that we, we was... God wanted us to worship him, but instead you out here worshiping through the, through a song that is meaningless to your spirit, but you said it ain't nothing but a song. Well, I guess that problem that you got going on, it ain't nothing but a problem. So you could get three or four more problems if you keep on thinking the way that you thinking. Because the song, what that's going to do, it's going to invite the wrong ideas into your mind. Why are you letting dark ideas enter into your thoughts? Many of these people that are singing songs and celebrities, they are, they are not happy people. So why are you letting them speak into your life? When they don't even pray to God. 
They songs are depressing. And then many of them are promiscuous and, and they're not married. So how is that glorifying God? You want to be single forever or do you want a husband? Do you want a wife that can keep her legs closed? Or you want somebody that's out here for everybody? Because if you do, just keep on making the same decisions and don't do nothing different with your life. Because God wants us to do what? Serve him. So in, in verse 11, it says, have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. It is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret. But everything exposed by the light becomes visible and everything that is illuminated becomes a light. This is why it is said, wake up sleeper, rise from the dead and Christ will shine on you. And I want to go back to verse 12. It says it is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret. It's shameful. Unless you going back glorifying God, like God brought me out of this situation. Everything needs to glorify God. And when you change your desires, you change your thinking, you change your life. God said, do not be conformed to the, the, the do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Wake up, sleeper. This is a spiritual sleep that some people are having. So let's go to, um, I'm going to shift focus again, but I, I just want you all to know that God wants us to change our thinking. Your thinking impacts your physical health and your mental health. So going forward, Let's look at this um, tissue because I've been talking about towards the end of the podcast. I have been talking about the different types of tissue that is zero bleach, zero chemicals, 100% bamboo. So the other day on Friday, I talked about the plant um, tissue. So now they have eco cheeks. And so let's look at eco cheeks. So eco cheeks is basically it says they have zero chlorine bleach zero fragrance, uh, inks or dyes, zero BPA or formaldehyde, uh, zero plastics. So their bamboo is responsible source, sustainable farmed, sustainably farmed, FSC certified, and it's GMO free. And I like that. Um, these tissues are quite kind of difficult to choose from. The, the first one I would like to try is the plant one, though. I think I'm going to, I would like to try each one though. Like I would like to get a pack of each plant-based bamboo tissue. Okay. Um, so they're 100% Australian owned and operated while supporting local businesses and charities. It says, look, we know you're busy. We're here to make life easier. Not only the convenience of stress-free delivery, but also we offer a set and forget subscription which is flexible and customizable to your needs. Leave it to us to remember the cheat sheets and save your time and effort for much more important things. I like that. I like that way that they explained it. 
Um, it says, we made darn sure we're not the irritating one. Chlorine bleach is used to whiten some paper and research has shown when mixed with paper pulp, it causes dioxins, which are known toxins. And so we, I've been talking about this already. Dioxins causes cancer. It gives people uh, urinary tract infections. It gives them a lot of different problems. It causes um, just so many health concerns. It's so many, it can cause ovarian cancer. It can cause um, just a lot of health concerns using certain paper that is traveling back into the vagina. Okay. So this is something that is so important to do is to understand what you're investing in and how it is impacting your body, both positively or negatively. So we see here that um, dioxin, dioxin is very harsh and um, it causes toxins to the body. So let's, let me finish reading. So we've also removed all irritating toxic chemicals like formaldehyde, fragrance, and BPA that shouldn't be on the most absorbent area of the body, causing irritation or making their way into our bloodstream. Yes, we shouldn't have to choose between quality or helping the environment. Yes, that's why we have ensured our products are top quality, family including male approved, while also being pleasing on the eye. We all want to make better, more sustainable choices in life, but we also know if it's not enjoyable, then it's not a sustainable choice long-term. I like that. I really do. Yeah. And it looks like they have paper towels. So that is called Echo Cheeks. Yep. And then it says, um, you and I know there's no planet B. And the destruction, I like that. That the way they explain it was very interesting. It's like, um, <laughs> yeah. So there is no other options besides this planet that God has given us to have the authority and dominion over, right? So, um, you and I know there is no planet B, and the destruction to our extraordinary Mother Earth is devastating. We protect our uh, precious forests, including the animals and ecosystems, by producing with 100% bamboo. We're also plastic-free in our manufacturing and shipping whilst offsetting all orders we send, uh, making our couriers carbon neutral. That's nice. So let's look at this. They have... Um, so Our purpose is we've got your... Crack Australia, regardless if we're profitable or not, we've committed to donating a portion of every sale to support Australian charities. Yes, I like that. So every single time um, that they make a sale, they are giving to a charity. So that's good. But sometimes some charities, you know, you don't really know what specifically they're doing, but that's because I'm always probing further into things, but I want to, you know, think from a, a proactive way and say that those charities that they're investing in is something that is good because they are saying that, you know, even if they don't make profit, they're still committed to donating to Australian charities. And so what that tells me is that even if they're not making money, 
they're still dedicated to the call. So that means that they have a passion for what they're doing, which means that if they are going to be investing in Australian charities, they're probably going to be investing in the right type of charity. So I kind of gained that knowledge from just understanding that regardless of them being profitable, they're still going to make um, wise decisions. And so that equates to um, great accountability. And I like that. So the Audible um, podcast, you all are going to be disconnected in a couple of minutes here. So what I'm going to do is go ahead and end for tonight. There are only a couple, it's a couple minutes left. And so um, I just want to thank you all so much for joining me. And I will continue this discussion tomorrow. Please remember that you all can send me an email. I will respond to you within 48 hours if you wanted to, you know, suggest a topic or you wanted me to discuss like a certain thing, I can too. Um, so hopefully I'll be done with the women's health in the next few weeks or a month or so. But uh, if you have any more ideas to contribute to women's health, please go ahead and send me an email at lostlifehealth at suddenchangescorporation.org. Let me go ahead and pray. So, Father God, we just come boldly before your throne of grace. Thank you so much for allowing us to receive your word today, God. And I just thank you so much for allowing me to give your word and to share your word, the interpretation and revelation that you've given me of your word, God. I pray that you continue to allow your will to be done in our lives, God, no matter what it takes, God. Allow us to fulfill your plan, will, and purpose because we desire to live a life that is pleasing to you and mature. God, we want to have a mature relationship with you. We want to have a mature relationship with the Holy Spirit, God. And we want to live a life of abundance through you, God. So no matter what problem, no matter what circumstance, we know that there is no problem that is too hard for you, God. So we put our trust and our hope in you. Thank you for being trustworthy, God. Thank you for maintaining integrity. And so we appreciate it, God. And so we just ask that you please allow your will to be done in our life. Not anyone else's will, but your will. And, and this goes for everybody in the world, God, because you know the children that are called and chosen and you know whose names are written in the book of life. So we, we are here to deliver your word, God. So allow us to do it. So we ask that you remove every barrier, every obstacle out of our path, God, and we lay our concerns and our issues or whatever problem it is in our life. We lay it at your throne of grace and we ask for you to handle it on our behalf. Thank you so much for being who you are, God. And please allow us to have a better relationship with you. In the name of Jesus Christ, it is sealed in your atonement blood. Amen. Well, thank you all so much once again for joining me. I will see you all tomorrow. You have a good night.